Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning that you are our cornerstone. Father, you're our king. And our hope is built on you this morning. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Just, just take a moment to thank him for who he is in us and in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Hope you all know it wasn't the nails that kept him up there. He could have come down any time he wanted, but it was his love for us and for all humanity. And this, we're going to start a series this week called Passion, and it wasn't the nails. So over the next four weeks, we'll end up at Easter. We're going to be talking about the passion, that, the love that Christ has for us. And why the whole thing happened, why he went on the cross. You know, God loved the whole world and never wanted to condemn it. Right? But the enemy came in and man decided that he could do it himself. So God's motivation to send Jesus to earth was fueled by love. Fueled by the fact that he loves us. He loved mankind. He, he formed Adam in his likeness. And the whole ministry of Jesus was fueled by that love. The whole time is unconditional and all-powerful love that Christ has had and has for us. And so this morning I'm going to talk about fueled by love and, 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 and what happens? So John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have what everlasting life." So God so loved the world. He's talking about how um, 
God loved the world. How did he love it? He so loved it. He loved it. With, and we'll talk about that agape kind of love in just a moment. And if you ever ask any Christian how to describe God, it usually love gets in there, right? I mean, it's, hopefully it's love. And, and usually it is. So God all through the Bible was compassionate and caring and loving. So, and in 1 John 4, 8, it says, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if there's no love in you, then he's saying you don't know God. And Jesus loved others, and in the disciples, the early disciples, he, he put that in them. He even gave them a commandment to love others, love one another love others so he instilled in them what he was and that was love and that's what he tried to instill in them the whole time so he was talking about agape love the love of God we've heard that for years when there's agape love and eros love and phileo love and but agape love is the God kind of love you know it has no uh, stipulations but God loves us you don't have to be something for him to love you, right? You don't have to be a certain thing. He loves you whether you accept him or not. He loves you whether you are you become whatever he's called you to be or not. And agape love has three parts to its meaning. First part is willful. Willful. It's done deliberately. God deliberate his kind of love deliberately loves us. He wills to love us. It's deliberate. Um, it's not. I have to, or just to want to, but it's deliberate. He willfully loves us, and he wants to instill that in us so that we can willfully love other people, whether we like them or not, whether they're good enough or not, or whatever. Amen? And the second part is pure. And the meaning for pure there means unmixed with any other matter again no stipulations now some people say why do you love them so much well they do so much for me that's a wrong way just because they do so much for you and that's good amen and you love them but not just because they do you love your parents just because they do so much for you or you love your children because they do so much for you or your friends or your family members or whoever your, your people you work with what, would you still love them if they came to a place they couldn't anymore? Maybe they couldn't do what they used to do. Would you still love them? Is your love pure? Or is it mixed with, what you going to do for me? I love you as long as you help me. As long as you do something for me. If that stops, my love for you stops. That's sad. But unfortunately, in the world today, that's the way it is with a lot of people. That's the way the world loves. It's dependent on what you might do or what somebody might do for you. Man, if we ever get to the point, and hopefully we have in some cases, but we can get to the point where we love people because we love them. There's no stipulation on it. That's how we win the lost is when they see our love. That's why Christ said, Love as I have loved. Love one another. 
You want to see people accept Christ. You want to see people love, learn to love them. And love can be all kinds of different ways. It can be doing stuff for them, right? Praying for them, ringing them up. But, you know, and sometimes, you know, Paul talked about being all things to all people. And sometimes in this world, doing something for somebody they see that as love, so that shows them that you love them. Hopefully, through that, they can start, well, why do you do that? And you can share why you do that. So it's pure. The third meaning is sacrifice. Surrender of something for the sake of something else. Um, another meaning that I didn't put up there is an act of offering to a deity something precious, especially. And listen to this. The killing of a victim on an altar. Are you willing to die to self? Jesus was willing to die to who he was just to come to the earth. Jesus was willing to die for you and for me. He was willing to die. Are you willing to die for self? You know, we hear people, oh, I, you know, I'd give my life for them. Or, you know, we have soldiers and we have police officers and all kinds of They give their lives to save people. Um, you know, I was thinking about... Um, the um, at not, at, at, when we had 9-11 remember that most people do you remember the people in the, in the, in the plane that decided they were going to give their life for everybody else what a sacrifice they went and took over the plane knowing that it would crash and it would kill them but they did it they sacrificed Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Just as it said in there, it wasn't the nails that held him up there. We all know he had a chance to call down legions of angels and just wipe everybody out and come down off of there. But he didn't because of his love for me and for you. So sometimes I want to you know, ask, are you willing to die to self? Let's put it in that analogy right now. Are you willing to die to what you want or who you are? And this is what I want. Are you willing to die to that? In other words, are you willing to give up something to show love to somebody? The way you feel or whatever it is. Are you willing to do that? Even sometimes when it seems to hurt so bad. Or maybe you've tried to, maybe you've done something, you've worked towards something and you're kind of required to give it up. Maybe you say the only way I can want to be able to reach this is I got to die to self. I got to just die to my wants. So how did, how is this love presented from God? He sent his son, right? He sent Jesus to the earth. He sent his one and only son. And I want to read a, uh, passage out of Matthew 21 starting in the 33rd verse and I want you to hear this and, and I, I'm going to try to explain it to you in a way that you can really understand what G this is a parable that Jesus gave and what he was talking about it said now listen to another story you know Jesus told a lot of stories a lot of parables and a lot of the times the disciples would be like well what did that mean and he would explain it to him. And sometimes I think he'd get like, well, you really, have you not understood yet? Have you not 
figured out what I'm saying? Now listen to another story. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him. But the results were the same. Finally, it says, after doing all that, after trying to just get them to give their part to, to reach to the out, to, he's, finally the owner sent his son thinking, surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw his son coming, they said one to another, here comes the heir to this estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard and murdered him. When the owner of the vineyard returns... Jesus asked, what do you think he will do to those farmers? The religious leaders replied, he will put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of crop after each harvest. Then Jesus asked, didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he said, this is the Lord's doing and it is wonderful to see. So what he's saying, prophets, all throughout history, God sent prophets, right? To prophesy, well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. But they didn't listen, right? His people, the Jewish people, did not listen. They didn't understand. They didn't listen to the prophets. And, if, and you know, it's, it's, it's really neat in a way because Jesus didn't really say what happened. He asked the question, you know, what do you think is going to happen? But then he said, the cornerstone. It's what I'm going to build everything on. This is what God is doing. So God's been sending people to deliver his message of salvation and restoration for years. All that time he's sending He's hoping that they'll grasp hold of what he's saying. So it's kind of like the landowner in here is God. The vineyard is his people. And the servants are the prophets. But who are the farmers? The farmers are those who are like, they're mean and they're, well, we don't believe that, and we're not going to listen to that, and we're not listening to that, and we're, this is not true, and we, we want what we want. We want, we, want to take, we want it all, and we want to do it the way we want to do it. We want to take it the way we want to take it. But Jesus says, God's saying, Jesus is saying there's a different way. The cornerstone is here. And the church is going to be built off of this from now on. Not off of, in other words, there's no need for any more prophets to come talk about me because this is it. And from this point on, you got to follow that. And then he opened it up to not just the Jewish people, but to everybody, the Gentiles. Everybody had the opportunity after Jesus came. Because, you know, it's kind of like God tried and tried and tried to release it to his people. And they just never would listen. 
They rejected that cornerstone. There he was right in front of them. And they rejected it. So, when we listen to this, what, what does all this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Jesus told his disciples to love him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and others as yourself. In other words, the way you love yourself, the way you love God, you got to love others. And you got to present Christ's love. Love him and love others. That's the greatest commandment of all. It's a new commandment he said I give you. In order to do this, it takes three things. It takes great effort, great commitment, and great devotion. In order to do what Christ says, you got to put out some effort, right? It doesn't just come and you just sit back and do it. It takes effort. You got to be committed to it. And you got to be devoted to it. In other words, this is, this is my calling. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put all the effort I can into it. I'm going to be committed, and I'm going to be devoted. This, this, this scripture I'm talking about is John 13, 34, and it says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. The same way, willing to give up yourself, willing to give up your life. He was willing to give up who he was. For you and for me. And he's saying, this is the way you got to love each other. This is what you got to do. This is the commandment that I'm giving you. But you know, it's, it's kind of easy for the most part, especially for a while, anyway, to love your family and your friends, right? It's easier to love them no matter what. But what about the one that does you wrong? What about the one that cheated you out of something? What about the one that um, that doesn't like you and does all they can to make you look bad? Say it's at work and you got this person that does just constantly. Guess what so-and-so did? Guess what he did? Or maybe, you younger people, maybe at school, <laughs> you got somebody that's constantly pointing you out as doing something wrong. Making up stories sometimes. So what it comes down to is... How willing are we to show the same amount of grace that we've been given, that we've been shown? How willing are you to do that? 
How willing you see that's loving as Jesus did, loving as Christ, love them as I did. How many of you are willing to give that same amount of grace as it's been given to you? If most of us are honest, most of us, I can do that with some people, but you know, that some people just don't deserve it. Well, you didn't deserve what Christ did for you either, right? And I'm not saying that's easy. But I am saying that you, that's why you got to be, as I say all the time, you got to be grounded in the Word. You got to be full of the Spirit of God. You got to allow God to work in and through you in order to do that. Do we always do it right? No. But thank God we have forgiveness. And, you know, when are you supposed to show somebody grace? When? When you feel like it? When things are great, when there's somebody that, you know, you think that they're pretty much halfway deserving of it, so I might as well show them a little great. No, every time, all the time, always, just like Christ did for us. You know, when it says that, I mean, think about him being nailed to that cross and what that took for him to just willingly do that. You know, when you know that you have the power to get out of that situation, it's hard to stay there for the benefit of somebody else. <laughs> That's what Jesus did for us. He stayed there for the benefit of us, even though he could have gotten out of it at any point in time. But he didn't. You know what? Jesus even loved the ones that crucified him. Remember what he said on the cross? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's my version. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. He understood that they had no concept of what was going on. They, they in themselves thought that they were doing the right thing. They're putting a criminal on the cross. They're sacrificing. You know, that's what they thought. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You ever been able to do that? Lord, just forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I find myself having to do that a lot sometimes. <laughs> and it's easy, you know, to get all riled up and upset because somebody did something that you didn't like. And you just want to let them know it. Worse than that, you want to let everybody know it. That's almost worse than, that's worse than, not worse than letting them know it, but it's probably worse that you tell everybody else and not them. They did that to me, they wronged me, and I want the whole world to know it. So, what did Jesus have to say about how often we're supposed to show grace? Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Peter asked that question. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now, what a question. I wonder what Peter thought. He was going to say, well, you know, just five times, seven times, or 
you know, he said that. And, and, or, 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 you know, maybe 10 times. But that's about my limit. Right? Some of you look at me like, don't say that. Peter said, seven times? I mean, that's a good amount of time to forgive somebody for something, right? Seven times? I mean, that's not bad. That could be once a day for seven days. For a whole week. Jesus said this, no, not seven times, replied. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. That's a whole lot of bunch, right? That's a whole lot. 70 times seven. And I can't say this that many times. I guess I could, but I'm not. But what he's saying is forgive, 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 forgive. Over and you know what's really hard is you have to forgive somebody for the same thing over and over and over. It's not fun, is it? Makes you want to run and just not be around them so you don't have to forgive them, right? Again, Jesus said, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And you know what? Most of the time, I'm not saying all the time, but really deep down, they don't know what they're doing. They may know that they're aggravating you or that they're going to do it because you keep forgiving. You know, some people can do is keep doing it because they forgive. You keep forgiving them. I said, well, I'll do it again because they forgive me and they don't care. That's a tricky place. Right? Don't you think? That's a tricky place to be. Because where do you balance that? I need to teach them a lesson. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's a tricky place. I'll just leave you right there and then you can figure it out. That's a tricky place to be. <laughs> forgive, forgive, forgive. And you know what? God loves when it's, not, it's unreciprocated. In other words, he loves even though he don't get any back. He loves even though he's not getting it back. We have to learn to be what Jesus say, love like I do. God's saying, love like I do. Even though I don't get that love back, i got to show love. You know when it's time when you and your spouse are kind of, and you got to show them love and you don't get it back? You're like, well, doggone it. I, I. Anybody ever done that? But God loves no matter what he gets back. If it's unreciprocated, he, he doesn't love so he can get you to love him back necessarily. He loves because he loves you. And we have to learn to do that. Sometimes we love just because we love. Right? Not expecting anything back. Not expecting. You know what? God loves you when you're nasty, rude, and mean. Well, most of us say, I ain't never nasty, rude, and mean. Well, maybe. <laughs> you just don't know that you're nasty, rude, and mean. Or you may know it and don't care. But, uh, but God loves you no matter what, right? 
Look at the things that are said about God. The things. Look at what they did to Jesus. They spit on him. They, I mean, all these things. But he still loved them. Can we get to a place where we love when somebody's nasty, rude, and mean? <laughs> nasty, rude, and mean. And it's kind of like unreciprocated. But God loves when he's not getting anything out of the relationship. In other words, maybe, just I'm using spouse sometimes, there's just nothing going on in that relationship. But if it's fueled by what? Love. It can be restored. It might be hard, but if you really love each other, And, and, and you love even though you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it. But see, that kind of comes back to the thing you love, not what you can get out of it. Jesus loved, God loves us, not because of what he could get out of it, but because he loved. And he knew, you know what, through that, he knew that through that kind of love, if we could grab a hold of that kind of love, then he would get love back. I mean, it's kind of like if I can teach them, they can love each other. They can bring more people to me. I mean, your witness is way more than what you, comes out of your mouth as far as just telling people. You understand what I'm saying? It's far more. But if we can show them true, real love. And what kind of, what kind of love did Jesus have? What type of love? What did Jesus have? He had unconditional love sacrificial agape love no conditions you don't have to we don't have to do anything for God to love us we never have we never will he's loved us since beginning of time he didn't he loves us some say well, I don't understand because things happen and this happens and this happens well that's just because we live in this world that we live in things happen some a lot of majority of the time it's of our own doing because of the path we've taken or because of what we've done but right but we live in a fallen world it can't ever be perfect it never will till we see jesus till we leave this earth we won't understand that totally we won't see that so Jesus had this love. And so what did he call us to? Unconditional, sacrificial, agape love. The kind of love that never fails. The kind of love that doesn't require reciprocation. Right? So... Again, in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, perish but have everlasting life. Before I read the next scripture, you know, um, as we go into this, this holy time, as we go into this time, this season, that, 
that it's really a passion season because we look at the passion that Christ had for us. The, pa- the thing that drove him. What's your passion? His passion was to love. His passion was to become what his father wanted him to be and do. And he came for that purpose. He came for that mission. So in this time, in the next four weeks, till we come up until, until Resurrection Day, we need to be having that in our hearts and our minds. Why am I here? What am I to do? What is my purpose? If nothing else is to love. And because of that love, we, we, will ha- we have things to do, and we do it because God loves us. We don't do it because it's easy. We don't do it because we, it's the thing to do or everybody thinks we ought to do it. We do it because we love God. Because there are going to be people that love what you do and there are going to be people that do not love what you do. And they're going to think you got ulterior motives for what you do. Right? Well, you're just doing that because you just want to be seen or whatever. I told Darren this morning, I said, man, I feel like, you know, back in the day, I'm here to hold through worship and everything else and Kevin was having voice issues. Caleb's out of town. and When you least expect it, you're elected, right? You know, those of you who are older women know what that's from. Not, you're going to ask somebody afterwards. But the Bible also says to be in season. All the time. <laughs> be ready in season and out. You know, um, Two, as, um, as we think about this, I really want you to take these next four weeks. Next week will be on humble love. But these next four weeks, I want you to concentrate on what Resurrection Day is all about and what brought us to that place, what brought Jesus to that place, and what are we to do? We have opportunity, it's kind of like at Christmas, we have opportunity over these next four weeks to, that we may not have every other time because of the things that are going on. And in the Amplified, it's, now they call it the classic version. There's another Amplified out that's different, but this is the, it says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. I mean, that's love. That, that he even gave up his only begotten unique son, different than anybody else could ever be, so that whoever believes in, who trusts in, clings to, and relies on him shall not perish, shall not come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. I want you to know something. Some people think that eternal life starts when this body dies. Well, I've got news for you. It started when he accepted Christ. Amen? Eternal life started then. <laughs> before that, you were doomed. You were, I mean, really, eternal life started before you were born and when you were born. You live eternally. You just live in heaven or hell. You live in one place or the other. I mean, you live with Christ or without Christ, with God or without God. So eternal life is eternal. <laughs> And it's been going on ever since you've been born. So you don't just start eternal life once this body dies. You're already living it. It'll just be better eternal life. It'll be better. 
So the key to loving people, the real key to loving people is found in sacrifice. When you lay aside everything else that you want for others, you should be willing to lay aside everything you want for others to come to Christ, to love others the way that he did. You know, um, and, and you know, you might not even have to sacrifice your life, but you know, are you even willing to sacrifice your schedule? Well, I can't do that because I got this and I got this, and somebody comes up and they're really kind of like, well, I need some help. Well, I, let me see if I can get you in next week. Are you willing to sacrifice your schedule? Are you willing to sacrifice what you want to do? Well, I'm going fishing this afternoon, and I can't miss that. <laughs> All right? I got this going on. Are you willing to sacrifice your desires? Let me give you a, this might be a crazy example, but say someone wants to go out to dinner or lunch or breakfast. And they want to go to some foo-foo place that you just don't like. I want the real thing. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know what I mean. Or maybe the other way around. I don't want that. You know, I want this. Are you willing to sacrifice that desire just to be able to witness to somebody or maybe to share your love to them? Are you? Are you just going to say, well, I ain't eating that, so I'm not coming. Well, Maybe there was an opportunity for you to be a witness. Right? Maybe there was an opportunity. Maybe if it's that bad, you just bring what you like. And so, well, you know, I brought this because I really like this. I'll drink some coffee or some tea or water or whatever it is you drink. I mean, think about it. Are you willing to sacrifice your de desires? You know what? That list of sacrificial love opportunities is endless. I mean, there's all kinds of things in that. <laughs> How are you in that? Where do you stand? See, you know, um, in that John... 316 is like um, we first recognize something important and that is that we recognize God loves the world. But we learn how God loves the world. Unconditional. Sacrificial. Un, I want to say unbound. Un, I mean, his love was thank you, Lord. We're going to participate in communion this morning. If you would, stand up if you have your elements. Hallelujah. Take a moment to just think what Jesus did for us. That's what this is talking about.
His love abounded. His love for us was, is unconditional. Doesn't matter how many times you mess up, He's there for you. And you know, we come into the time of year where we recognize what Christ did for us. He allowed His body to be broken, beaten, beyond recognition, not just little wimpy stuff, but I mean beaten beyond recognition. And then He crawled up on that cross and He allowed them to drive those nails in his hand to in his feet and put him in that hole pick that cross up and he he stood there on that he, he, he hung there on that cross and you know there's an old song that says when he was on the cross I was on his mind I feel like he, he could just see the whole world forever and he thought of each one of us, and he's like, I love him. I love her. I love her. I love him. Wow, if we can even get, we can't fully grasp that and fully be that, but we can be that as much as we can and allow Christ to do that in our lives. So this morning, Lord Jesus, this morning, we do this to remember your sacrifice. We do this to remember your body hanging on the cross. You broken, your body broken for us, Lord. So, Father, as you told your disciples, take, eat. This is my body. We do that this morning. Hallelujah. And then that blood. You know, the, the blood was shed on Jesus before he ever got to the cross. It started in the Garden of Gethsemane when he began to sweat drops of blood. And then as he went on, he was beaten. Blood was running. Blood was flowing. And he, on that cross, and you know what? He became the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate showing of what love is. And it was poured out on the altar of God for one last time. <laughs> Making it permanent. Making it ultimate. So no more shedding of blood needs to be done. Jesus did it on the cross. So as you said, take, drink, this is my blood. Let's do that in remembrance this morning. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you this morning for your sacrifice for me and for every person in this room, every person in the world. You show no favoritism, Lord. You love us all. So, Father, as we go into this week, let's just think about, are we fueled by love? Are our actions fueled by love? Are we motivated by love? You know, when you're fueled by something, you need to stay full of it. So, Lord, just keep, let us remember to stay full of your love, full of your spirit as we go through this week, Lord, and as we go through these coming weeks. And as we end up 
on Resurrection Sunday. Lord, I, I pray that every person in this room is so excited that they want to worship you and that we're going to have an awesome time. One of the best times we've ever had in the worship and in the Spirit and in the Word. Amen? Father, we thank you and praise you. I pray your blessing upon your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I have a few announcements this morning. Um, please remember next Sunday will be Koinonia immediately following service in the Fellowship Cafe. Also, uh, next Sunday in the music room is Amy's classroom. We'll have a group of folks um, filling plastic eggs for our Easter egg hunt. So please, if you'd like to be a part of that as soon as service is over, be there. Women's Fellowship will be on the 12th. Please sign up. Don't think there's a sheet yet, but we'll get that out next week. Um, men's skeet shoot will be the 9th of April. Can you believe we're talking about April already? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy, huh? Easter baskets. We need those. Um, you see them out there in the foyer. We need those filled up in April 3rd, which is next Sunday. We need everything brought in for that. So please bring in uh, your gifts for those folks for those. Um, picnic. We are going to be setting up at, uh, we've uh, rented the, the picnic thing over at uh, Francis Beatty Park for the 23rd of April for a church-wide, just to get together and have fun. Pray that it'll be a beautiful day and we can all get together. Church will be providing hamburgers, hot dogs, all the good stuff. So come, please mark your calendar and come be a part of that. Last thing we need to do is uh, there is something going on. Um... Apparently, 40 years ago, something happened next week, 40 years ago. Looky there. 40 years ago, these two people made a deal. Look at Pastor Bill. Ain't he pretty? <laughs> I love that. I love that tuxedo. That's I love the little, that's cool. I remember those. <laughs> Pastor Bill, Miss Peggy, if y'all could come up, please. Uh, we, uh, we love you. We appreciate all you do for us. And uh, 40 years is a long time to put up with him. And uh, so uh, Robert was telling me the other day, Robert's known him for how long? Since you were a baby. And he's like, I put up, I put up with Pastor Bill this long. I can't imagine <laughs> Miss Peggy did it, but now we, we love you guys, and I know you're going to take a little time off next week, and we just wanted to bless you with a, a little gift from, from us, and uh, pray that y'all have a great time together, and enjoy uh, your 40th, and we look forward to the 80th. Um, you guys will be, uh, y'all be in good shape, maybe 80th, so Pastor Bill won't be, but what, 65 then? So... <laughs> Let's just pray for them. Father, I just thank you so much for, for Pastor Bill and Miss Peggy and what they mean to us. And I thank you for their, their legacy of the marriage that they have. And 40 years is an awesome, awesome example for all of us. I pray your blessing upon them as they celebrate together. And I pray again, Lord, as many more years as you have in store for them, make them as blessed as these have been already. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody have a great week.